Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It is 12.35 in Edmonton on this fine Monday afternoon. Brendan Escott and Cam Moon alongside. We're recapping, uh, well, we're not really looking at Game 3. That was a tough one. But we're looking real hard at Game 4 in this L.A. and Edmonton series because that was some of the best hockey that we've seen um, in a long, long time. I don't care what partisanship you represent. That was great hockey, period. And if you're cheering for the Oilers, I'm sure you had a little extra reason to be over the moon. I hope you got to bed at a decent hour. Some guests of the show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Altoff that Oilers now sent you. Let's connect with our NHL insider, John Shannon. He joins us twice a week for legacy heating and cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy heating and cooling. John, you get to do it with uh, Cam and Brendan once again here. How's it oh, going today? What a paradise. <laughs> paradise. <laughs> so, uh, boy, that first period was anything but paradise for Oilers hockey fans. And somehow... It was it was gut check time again, and they answered it. They they have shown some maturity. I thought there was a little immaturity shown at times in this series, John. But you know, at the end of the day, they've managed to hang around and and keep themselves even, and at least work it to where it's a best of three now. And and you know, even even in that game, there were you know little bouts of insecurity or silly situations. I'll I'll bring up the guy that scored the winning goal, but that silly penalty he took uh, earlier in the game uh, that put the Kings on the power play was not one of those shining moments, but it's a game that had everything, guys. Let's face it. It's a a game that uh, uh, I think that this generation of hockey fans in Edmonton and across the NHL will remember uh, in so many ways. It was a character builder. It was entertaining. Um, you know, it it might have resurrected a goaltender's career. Who knows? But it was one of those nights where I think for a long period of time, people will remember what they watched. And by the way, people very quickly forgot about the high stick, didn't they? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that got pushed to the back burner in a hurry, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it sure did. Going into that second period, John, um, what what did you think the the chances were for an Oilers team that honestly I didn't think they were that bad in the first period. I thought they generated opportunity, they just didn't score. But at three nothing, three nothing is three nothing. Did you did you still think they they had a shot? Uh, probably not, really, Cam. I, I'll, I'll tell you what. But I I I really believe, and I said it to a couple of people actually uh, were taking a break from being on the air and then a couple of friends, they said they had to do something. Something had to change. Uh, and and I, I was one of the, the guys that thought that Jack Campbell should come in for two reasons. First of all, maybe that's the jolt that the, play, the team needs and, and the players would realize that they embarrassed Stewart because uh, I don't think Stewart was to blame for the goals. Uh, and at the same time, it's not a bad thing to give the backup goaltender two periods of playoff hockey just so that just in case something happens to your starting goaltender. So there, there was enough logic for me 
at the start of the second period to see Jack Campbell in goal. Um, so that's part of it. Um, but the, the reality was that all of a sudden the energy that we had seen for a lot of the games in Edmonton, games two, one and two, the energy returned. I don't know why, I can't tell you, but, it, it, you know, and it wasn't just... You know, it wasn't just Leon and Connor. It was Derek Ryan and Warren Fogle. And, and the depth of the Oilers had, as, in my mind, is maybe one of the, the silent stories of this series is that, and Cam, you've been around this team much more than I have, but when we're all around there, people have, in the last couple of years, have yearned for more depth. Where's the depth? The depth needs to be part of this. And the depth came through. The depth came through and contributed, maybe not goals and assists all the time, but they, they contributed energy, they wore the Kings down, there was a tremendous forecheck, and they created scoring opportunities. One of the things that, like Evander Kane is just built for playoff hockey, and even when he wasn't scoring, you could tell how timid or um, he was giving the, the LA Kings defenders second thoughts every single time they went back to collect the puck when he was on the ice. And and so he was finding a way to impact the game even while not scoring, and Hyman maybe a little less so, and I'd, I'd still like to see a lot more out of Nugent Hopkins, but these are sort of the surrounding cast members that I found myself asking through the first three games of the series where they were, and and then last night when it mattered most, two of them were right there and and, and played a significant part in, in them being able to eke out a win. And so you talk about the depth that they've accumulated over the last couple of years, and I guess this is where we're starting to see it pay off, not only up front, but in net as well. Well, and, and so, so, Brendan, you're, you're absolutely right about uh, what Evander did and what Zach did, and, and I'm going to state the obvious they shot the puck, and they shot the puck on the net. Uh, too many times in the first three games, we saw those two and Ryan Nugent Hopkins shoot the puck looking for perfection, looking for that top corner. And if you don't hit the top corner, you miss the net, and you don't even have a shot on goal. You know, there was a moment, I, be I really believe, there was a time... Um, particularly in Game 3 and and in the first period of Game 4, that uh, Corpusala was in there between their ears. And Cam, you've seen that lots of times. Yeah. That the goaltenders, you know, then you say, oh man, he's going to get me. If I, if I just shoot it at him, I'm, 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 I'm not going to, uh, he's going to stop it and we're not going to even get anything. So I better, I better look for perfection. I better pick that corner. And, you know, with these sticks and the way things are, it's hard to pick corners. It really is. It's hard. But if you shoot it at the net, there may be a rebound or it may go five hole. You know, both the Kane goal and the Hyman goal weren't the perfect shots, but they were fast enough and they just beat Corpusello. And, and so from that perspective, it, it's, it's, it's a classic case of just shoot the puck more. I wish Ryan would shoot the puck more. But Ryan's, Ryan's looking for perfection. You know, I mean, how many shots on goal did Ryan have last night? None. Don't look. Don't look. He had none. He had none. You know, when you're on the ice for 22-41, you better have more than none shots. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yes. Well, and I thought that that first Oiler goal was also to what you're saying is they got it back to Bouchard on the point, and they had other like 
previous on that same power play, they opened up a few different looks. And, and those resulted in shots on net. But the goal was a shot from the point that Bouchard got through, but there was traffic. I don't know if Corpusalo yep. ever saw the thing. Like, oh. yeah, they're, I, I'm with you. I, and I think they did a way better job of it yesterday than previously in the series of putting it to the net and getting traffic. And I thought they had opportunity in that first period that didn't cash in. A couple of posts, the two-on-zero that uh, didn't result in a goal. But yeah, if you keep putting it to the net, keep crashing that net, you're going to give yourself an opportunity. I think. Uh, on the other side, uh, John, uh, Kevin Fiala comes back, hadn't played yet in the series. Had only played three of the last 16 regular season games. He gets a couple of assists. It looked like he was uh, a, a, certainly a, a positive note uh, for the LA Kings. He was, but I, I got thinking uh, about this because, you, you know, Fiala did exactly what he was supposed to do. He brought speed, brought energy, um, you know, got the Oilers thinking a bit and, and, and created opportunities. But at what expense? And, and, and I'll tell you what, um, I thought the best Kings forward for the first three games was Adrian Kempe. He was really good. He was better than Kopitar. He was better than anybody else. Uh, you know, I mean, whether it be just on the stat sheet or using his speed. But it was almost like Fiala, he, he, got, he got ice time that Kempe might have gotten. Uh, and and so when you they, they, they put Fiala in the lineup, and then Adrian Kempe wasn't near as effective last night as he was in the first three games, which I thought was, was fascinating. Because he's, he's the guy, Kempe's the guy that has scared me through most of this series. Now, Fiala was really good. Uh, I can only imagine how sore he is today based on, uh, you know, not having played very much. Uh, but you know darn well that they're going to come back, uh, you know, tomorrow night with a ton of speed using both of those guys. Uh, and making sure that uh, the, the Oilers don't try to take a huge advantage in this series. Chatting with our, whoops, a daisy, chatting with our NHL insider, John Shannon. Microphone works a lot better when it's turned on, by the way. Uh, i got to write that down. Write yeah. that there down. Yeah. Uh, so, so Vinny DeHarnay struggled uh, and continued to struggle throughout the first couple games of the series, and they kept uh, putting him back out there until um, basically it was time that they couldn't do that anymore. And we saw a lot more of Philip Broberg, but we saw zero of Vinny DeHarnay for any of the third period and uh, most of the second as well, John, yeah. and same too with Clean Costin, but uh, particularly with the way that this may affect the the rollout in Game Five. Just do you think that this is an opportunity for them to perhaps take DeHarnay out, insert the likes of Dylan Holloway, uh, put yourself inside the mind of the coaching staff there if you can? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, eight eighteen to go in the second period. Costin and DeHarnay both go to the bench, never to be seen again, and they did it on the exact same shift. Uh, which I thought was fascinating. Um, so if effectively, the Oilers played ten and six for for more than half the game, uh, which puts a ton of strain on on these guys. Uh, but at the same time, when you have the opportunity to put Drysaitel or McDavid on the ice, um, then you're then you're then you're okay with that because you want Leon out there. You want to double shifts uh, both of them at, at any given time or 
you know, out of a, out of a commercial break or some sort of lengthy delay, you want to play them together for at least one shift. So that, that that's not a concern to me. Uh, I didn't think Philip Broberg had a very strong game either. But you know, and 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 you know, if if Jay and the staff are defending, then good for them because that's what they're supposed to do. But that's a ton of pressure on Bouchard, a ton of pressure on Ekholm, on CC, on Nurse. You know that that's uh, that that puts a, and and uh, and Kulak um, because you remember that third goal, the three nothing goal, where uh, Darnell goes and takes the body check, Leon falls down, and who's back but Philip Broberg and and he's twixt in between because he's the, you know they've got three kings all over him, and it's a tough tough spot to put a young guy in. Uh, I would be shocked if they change from eleven and seven. I just think it gives them so much. It, it, this is exactly why they go 11-7. and seven. So that you can say, okay, listen, Vinny, you're having a tough night. Sit down, watch, learn. Philip, it's your turn and see what happens. You know, the, the question for me is, uh, and I've not heard this, I've not seen this, is there someone else that could come in and play defense? Can, is there a chance that somebody would show up from Bakersfield? I don't know, I, but that, that, that's just me. I mean, is, is, you know, Jason DeBerge has been through the wars before. I don't know, or maybe he's lost a step and they, don't feel, they feel better off with these two guys than they do with him, I don't know. But I, I, I would be shocked if they changed from 11 to 7. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm with you. That is exactly why you roll that out is then you can uh, spread minutes out among yeah. your seven. And if somebody's having a tough night, well, it doesn't put you down. Although, really, down the stretch, they were down to five. Right. Yeah. Th- that's right. That's right. But and, and that's okay, Cam. That's okay when you're playing Tuesday night and then you don't play till Saturday. True. You know, and, and you know that's when the when the schedule came up. Everybody looked and said three full days off, and we all rolled our eyes. We always like a game every second day, but now you're saying, okay, we can we can do this again for one more night. We can go ten and six for one more night, and then the boys get a couple of days off. And, and that's not and that's not a bad thing. Sorry, John. Just a couple of the texts had come in wondering why there is such a long layoff between those two games. Uh, basketball taking up the availability at Crypto.com Arena. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And and there, that's one of the things. But I would suggest too that you know when you looked at the schedules of of both the NBA and the NHL over the next three or four days, uh, everybody wants content. Everybody wants it at key times, and that one made sense. And with back the fact that both the Clippers and the Lakers are in the playoffs, that that that's a factor. Listen, look at Saturday. Look what they did Saturday. You know, Oilers Oilers uh, were off. They played Friday, played Sunday, and they played a basketball doubleheader at Crypto.com. So that's going to happen. But the other thing is that both ESPN and TNT, being the networks of the NHL, are also the networks of the NBA. And, you know, so that's another element of scheduling that says we've got to make sure there's enough airtime for all these games over a certain period of time. And you also know darn well that, you know, the Maple Leafs play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, then you want a Canadian team Saturday, so that would probably push the, the Oilers to Saturday anyway. 
Yeah, that, yeah, and it's the Clippers and but Lakers. But let's take advantage of it. Stay Friday. <laughs> I, I don't. I, ha, I don't have their schedule in front of me. But but let's you know let's let's uh, <laughs> let's enjoy it for what it is right now, which is good old fashioned rest for the hockey club. <laughs> oh yeah, something not typically available during the playoffs. John, always appreciate your insight. We'll uh, we'll chat later this week. Okay. Okay, Brennan. Cam, good talking to you, boys. Okay, thanks. Likewise, John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. We'll press pause here at 12.51. Lots of your text messages. We'll bring some of those back on Oilers Now. Quick look at the uh, Oilers Now injury report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. It's pretty simple for the Oilers. It's Matthias Janmark, who's still not practicing with the team, believed to be a foot injury, although it's kind of hard to pry information out of any franchise at this time of year. So uh, I guess you consider him what day-to-day until otherwise noted? I mean, yeah. It's a guessing game at this point. As far as Los Angeles goes, uh, Blake Lazat has missed the last game, but he is practicing, is my understanding, with L.A. So there you go. Uh, 780-496-0063, the number to text. DS Barr says... um, Guys tend to defer way too much. 97 and 29 are drawing the defenders, but everybody still wants to give the puck to them rather than take the play in front of them, as I feel the big boys will do better. There's an opportunity. Rather, if it's there, go after the opportunity. Trust why you're in the show. I don't disagree with that, and particularly if you're Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who the point was made by John Shannon, didn't have a shot on goal. How does that happen? He plays on the power play, and while he's not necessarily the trigger man there, I mean, it's 22 minutes worth of ice time. You don't have a shot on goal. Yeah. For a guy that's he's, he's got a good shot. Yeah, nearly forty goals. We all know how good his shot yes. is now. Uh Dan and Rocky Mountain House said uh Oh, wow. He listen, he's not in Rocky Mountain House. He's joining us from Havana, Cuba. He's tuned Whoa. in. Wow. Enjoy the sunshine. I was in Veradero about a decade ago. It's incredibly nice there. Uh, no fence sitting, Cam Moon. Oh, says this I'm getting work. You're, uh, you're sitting on the fence here? With what? What am I... F- as a Blade sitting. alum and Rebel play-by-play oh. guy, who you got for Game 7? <laughs> Brent in Turtle Lake, Saskatchewan wants to know. <laughs> that's the fence sitting that I'm doing? I hope both teams play hard and have fun. Excellent. That's a, that's a really tough choice. One team kept me gainfully employed for a very long time, uh-huh. and I have tremendous allegiance to them. And the other one allowed me to play in the league and paid for my education. It's a tough choice. A choice uh, I wouldn't want to have to make, just like which Oilers goaltender will start game five. A tough, tough choice. True. Uh, This this texter, Robert, says it was a real riverboat gambler move starting Campbell in the second. Paid off, but you don't want to try to win that bet twice. Hopefully this was another lesson from the Kings, like the 6-2 drubbing earlier this year that pushes this Oilers team forward. Uh, A few texts here. I I won't read them all individually, but there's a lot of people upset with Darnell Nurse's performance in this series, in that game, turning pucks over or not clearing it. I see that too. 
Absolutely, I see some failed opportunities for the zone to get out. Um, listen, there's a lot of times and a lot of different players that have been failing to get the puck out of the zone at different times in this series. Darnell Nurse, not the least of which, he cannot be excluded from that, and I understand the microscope is on him because of his salary. I get that. Yep. But he's not a bad defenseman. No, he is not. Uh, yeah, and he gets he plays the hard, tough minutes, and I, I understand but I think he takes a little more heat than he deserves. We'll get George LaRock's thoughts on that and much more coming up after a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.